Welcome to From the Rooker End. We've just left Rookers Road. Watford 2, Leicester City 1. It was magnificent. Sort of. Well, we'll pick it apart in a minute. Uh, my name is John. With me is Colin. Good afternoon. Jason. Hi, I need to apologise now. I'm still getting my voice back from shouting at the referee. Yeah, we'll get to that in a minute. Michael. All right. You know, in that time we've been doing this podcast, Mike, how, how you're the one, anger in your eyes... Shouting at the referees, linesmen, hatred, yeah. absolute hatred. Well, I've saw a new side of Jason Bailey today. <laughs> Whoa, Jason, we don't we don't have a go at referees on this podcast, but it wasn't great, was it? No, not at all. And I think there was a point where I just erupted, and I might genuinely have. I'm struggling with my voice at the moment because of shouting <laughs> and screaming so much. Um, there was there was a foul given against Pereira, which looked a bit soft, but probably was a foul. He, he gave the ref a decision to make. So he had his arm in the back or put his hand out to stop the defender getting near him defenders kind of sort of backed it and then sort of dropped to the floor a really soft one but if you're going to stick your hand out then it, it makes it easy but then we had um, I think it was Delafeo breaking down the left and I, I think it was Morgan had, Morgan come wide to, to cover him and has clearly just sort of shoved him in the back to start him getting away and the ref was play on I just couldn't believe it and, I, and I've just yeah I, I was up up and at him. <laughs> it, was so it wasn't a great referee performance, was it? No, but we're like I say, we're not going to draw on it. But it, we, we came through at the other side. We got the better of that referee because Mike. It was after what was awful at, in midweek at five nil away at, uh, at Liverpool. It's what you wanted to see, not only in the result but in the performance. Yeah, I mean, we, it was a drubbing. It was something that could have knocked our confidence. It certainly might have knocked mine momentarily. I was fair to say, I was a bit, a bit despondent after that. But it's these are the games that it's important to bounce back in. These are the ones that will not define our season in as much as if we didn't win today, then it's season over. But these are the games where you can turn your season into into a memorable one. Um, and we find ourselves in that middle of the pack. Um, competing with the likes of Leicester who have won the league have played recently in the Champions League um, which I think shows how far we've come that we'd go into into a game like this hoping to win it Um, it was kind of if you had to map out a Watford-Leicester game that kicked off at 12 o'clock on a Sunday that kind of I would thought would be what it was Um, it almost followed the the roadmap that I expected Watford I thought started incredibly well I thought they had a strong 10 minutes Leicester looked like they hadn't turned on at all I thought we're going to rue that early miss that Mariapa had or was it a a save as opposed to a miss either way he probably should have scored and I thought luckily Deeney scored shortly afterwards and I think Leicester found their feet a little bit after that and that said, I think still think it was very even. I don't think there was much in it between um, between them for the for the first half. Neither neither goalie really had had a save to make in particular. But I thought the second half, Leicester crept back into it and probably dominated proceedings for a large part. And on the face of it, probably a draw would have been a fair result. But I've said who cares? I, yeah, well, quite. <laughs> and I've said a lot. I've said a lot on on other podcasts and doing pieces for other other websites and stuff. That the thing that I do like about this Watford side is they don't know when they're beaten. There's a there's a togetherness. There's a, a willingness to keep going right till the end. Um, lovely ball through from Troy Deeney. Magnificent finish from Andre Gray they've borne it out they're not just words they kept on going despite being up against it really Damari Gray came on and I thought oh this is going to be difficult for us they started moving us around defensively they looked they were in the ascendancy I thought as, as, as the game went out and I was I was coming to terms I think yeah I'll take a point here I think that'll be a fair enough one all draw kept going absolutely fam- fantastic scenes Lo- and I have to say what a terrifically taken goal poise 
confidence, really, really good. It, he just looked, the, when, when he took the ball, he thought he's going to score. He is going to score. And you don't always feel that with, with Watford strikers. Great ball from, from Troy. And yeah, I think Andre Gray deserves all the praise in the world for, for a magnificent finish. There were more than just one man who won us that game of football. He scored the goal that won us the game of football, mm. uh, Colin. But there were, there were a few players out there who really put in a great performance that that just yeah, that, just just made us the team yeah, that could won I th- it I thought it was the first half we were excellent um, well, old John who sits near me who's a PE teacher from Queen said that's one of the best halves of football he's seen here for a long long time yeah, I mean it was very competitive it sort of went back and forth we had we had the best of the first 10 minutes then they had a good spell then we had a good spell they had a good spell but this thing I just want to uh, echo what Mike was saying this thing about bounce back ability you get drubbed 5-0 at Anfield you've got to pick yourself up on Thursday morning and go again against the Leicester side you're definitely going to get some sort of bounce from getting a new manager you know new thoughts new new words in the dressing room and different sort of attitude and they're going to come out and they're going to want to impress the new guy and make sure they get in the in the first First eleven, so I was worried. I, I thought we could, this is a game that could easily get away from us. You know, Vardy's so unbelievably fast. I mean, the first half, I thought Capoue was unbelievably good. I don't think I've ever seen him play as well in a Watford shirt as he did in those first forty-five minutes. He literally chased everything down. He was spraying passes left, right, and centre, and he, and he, he was making life so easy for Decore because as soon as he won it, Decore was just there and he, he, he could pass it off to him. So Decore had an, an okay game, but Capoue was was outstanding in the first half. But I, I would just disagree with Mike slightly because I don't think a draw would have been a deserve result. I think we deserve to win that because I think we were better than them. That's nice the pessimist, key- remember. Yeah, <laughs> but I thought we were better than them in the key moments in the sense that we did take our last chance and they did have plenty of opportunity to get a second goal and they weren't able to execute they had a lot of corners towards the end of the game which is terrifying you see Maguire and Wes Morgan go up and you think oh my god <laughs> I thought Mariapa and Cathcart again were very mature they were very brave they were very uh, disciplined I think we benefited from having Holobas back because he has got that will to win which spreads out from him through through the defence through the midfield and we were tenacious and we did the we did the tough things well and we took our chance we took our one chance really in the second half and he and he, and he buried it but yeah so for, for me Kapu I thought was just outstanding and he's been he just seems to get better and better under Javi I don't know whether it's that Javi just gives him sight and belief in himself he maybe Kapu's an arm around the shoulder sort of player rather than a finger pointing you know he's more carrot than stick but he's, he, he was excellent today excellent I mean I, we were standing there watching him saying my god he's the best player on the, on the park we did mention the ref at the top and I think my take on that is it's incredibly the decisions he was giving were incredibly inconsistent uh, which is so frustrating you hear opposition fans say it when, when we get the rub of the green but what happened we had a centre back our two central midfielders and Troy Deeney all on yellow cards for, for, for quite a long time you know Decore and um, Capu were, were, were on a yellow card for a reasonable amount of time and that's, you're on a tightrope then and it was noticeable that they had to temper it ever so slightly I think Colin was right they were Capu was great again Decore again showing what a fabulous player he is but they had to be careful and you could see that little yellow card thing going off on their head, a little reminder, so a little half step back, then they, you know, it could have been a 50 50 going, they didn't. So that does have an impact, I think, and that, that's why I think it is worth talking about mentioning the ref, because it's just frustrating. I think there were the, the yellow cards that were given, we saw at least the same on the other side and, and nothing given, but. Credit well, to, the, credit the, the, to second, the second biggest cheer the whole afternoon yeah. wasn't the first Watford goal. The biggest cheer was the second Watford goal. <laughs> <laughs> it was definitely the yellow card and the free kick that Watford earned. Um, but Troy, going back to Troy, you know, he, he, he was, continues to be 
the Troy Deeney we, we know and love and, and, and but not just that he's been really effective in, in this Premier League side and another part of his evolution Jason Absolutely and he was a leader out there today wasn't he you could see he was sort of he was pumped up the, the early goal probably helped him um, and the, the frustration that he was feeling uh, with Maguire sort of putting his arms all over him all afternoon and there was a there was a point I can't remember during the game where there'd been a delay in the game and he got the ball and the, the crowd would get behind him and you see he was the, the fists were going he was he was so pumped up for it I was a little bit worried mm. that having got the yellow card he was still so frustrated there was I think oh, just after he got booked he sort of chased a, a, a long ball down I think hauled Johnny Evans out of the way <laughs> had a go at Morgan as well anything he will calm down I think Jonathan Moss had a word with him and he, and he sort of didn't get anywhere near that, I think, afterwards. So, and again, we, we probably have to highlight that. He, he perhaps he did sort of check his attitude at that point and think, right, I need to be sensible, I need to show, lead the way, not be reckless, not get another yellow card, not get sent off. It puts us on 43 points, mm. Colin. 43 points, it's only the beginning of March. For me, that sort of seems to be thinking... Yeah, this podcast, we're, we, we're going to look, at, look ahead at things. Let's look ahead in terms of those, the games we've got coming up. The fact that this is now, if the next step was to be made, if some uh, flights abroad somewhere mm. were, were, were going to happen uh, in Europe next year, it's the, the. I wasn't. This didn't feel like a must win game today, but that West Ham and the Wolves games are really turning into must win games to make any sort of difference between us and those. Middlers of the Premier League. I was just looking at the table. We're starting to stretch away from some of those teams. We're mm. ten points ahead of Bournemouth. I think we're nine points ahead of Everton or Leicester now. And so it's really, I think it is at the moment. It's a straight dogfight between us and Wolves, and yeah. maybe West Ham, who are yeah, like I four, so, yeah, four yeah. points behind. So the Wolves game here will be absolutely massive. Obviously, we've got difficult away games, and, that, and that's fine. You know, it all evens out. Everyone, everyone yeah, has to yeah. play everyone. But our home games, we've got Southampton, Fulham, Wolves, West Ham, and Arsenal. We've got five home games, and we've only got four away games. So that. I'll run in at home and it's where Javi has based his whole philosophy for this club is, is win your home games he did it at the end of last season stabilised the ship with wins against Everton West Brom Newcastle and he's done it again he's kept that going our home form has been really good and we've got some good results away from home so I, I feel quite confident that what it feels I tell you what it feels like it feels like a promotion push right now that's what it starts and if it feels like a proper running like every game is a cup final and you can see it in the players attitude today I thought they came out and they were like it's not just one of those games where it's the end of the season we're in the mid table you know we'll, we'll play it around a bit we're not no, there's not much and there was real intensity on the pitch particularly in the first half and I think that that is a sign that they, they've got that idea this is a running now we've got nine games if we can get 20 points from those nine games finish on 63 points we've got a really good chance of getting uh, seventh which will presumably give the only heartbreak I worked it out this week. The heartbreak would be we come seventh, Wolf come eight, and win the cup. <laughs> we, we get robbed. But um, yeah, they've got they've got a tough game against United. We've got a very tough game against Palace. Palace seems to have hit a bit of form, but it just has that it has that feel of. And I think the cup is a good thing as well because it adds a bit more spice to the running. And the, the squad players will be thinking, I'm going to get a chance. Gomez is probably going to play against Palace. Messina might play. Uh, you know, other players like Cleverly and Chalabar and Queen might get starts. And there'll be a really good atmosphere at the training ground. They've got potentially another 12 games of the season if we went to the final. Uh, but this. 
this this league running does it feels totally different from the three previous seasons by this time in the first season we were coasting because we knew we weren't going down which was the only ambition we had second season other Missouri was so chaotic you know we didn't really know what was going on half the time and then of course we had the silver thing and we were in trouble and then Grazia comes and saves us but this season it feels like we're in a fight against teams that historically are bigger than us teams that are playing really well and, so, and I didn't think we would, we would get the result today because I, I thought Leicester played really well in midweek and they got the, and the new manager bounce but you know we're finding a way we're finding a way and the reason I think we deserve to win again and I'll just say it one more time is that I thought our desire uh, our belief at the back particularly because we had to defend like you know demons for most of the second half against them and then to snatch the goal have the confidence to get it forward and have a player who comes on the pitch who hasn't played that much to have the confidence to go and take that chance uh, I think I think it's it's going to be great for us I mean we might finish 10th we might finish 9th or 10th we might not get past Palace but nevertheless this season is, is, is really feeling like something special a podcast made by Watford fans for Watford fans from the rookery end. It gives me great pleasure to welcome once again to Michael Parkinson, Arlo. Arlo, how are you doing? I'm good. Glad to hear it. Now, Andre Gray scored the winner today. I know he's a favourite of yours. He scored it in the 92nd minute was the official time, so in injury time. When do you think is the best time to score a goal? The last 10 seconds. Andre Gray did pretty well today. Yeah. Before we let you go, you played. You couldn't come to the Leicester game because you were playing football, weren't you? Yeah. And you did pretty well, I hear. Saved a penalty and scored a goal. So, if you could have chosen today to be Ben Foster or Andre Gray scoring a goal, which would you rather be? I would be Ben Foster. And as well, as that, um, there was a player and he was like 10 yards away from me and he absolutely powered it and bought it corner so I had to quickly dive and push it away. You've got good goalkeeper vibes today. Yeah. Arlo, thank you very much for joining us. Well done on your performance and of course well done to Watford. Thank you. Bye-bye. Now we are not forward-thinking football fans but we like to think about the future and, and when we passed 40 points last week the, the, the conversations on our WhatsApp group start to, to think about, oh, what next? What next? And what is next? Let's go with the negative, all right, Mike? We're going to take two aspects. There's one, the on-pitch, but also the off-pitch and where things are going next. Let's talk about on-pitch. We've seen in the last few years Watford are buying players. They're slowly coming through and having an impact. And even, even more so this year, I think, with some of those younger players. Surely it's just going to continue. Hopefully, <laughs> but, but it's difficult. I mean, the question I keep banging on to you a lot about is how, how do we not be Southampton? Mm. So Southampton, I think, have... have as when we've supported Watford, the, the team that we've looked to emulate in the Premier League has changed. For a bit, it was West Brom. For a bit, it was Swansea. Both in the Championship now, so we don't really <laughs> want to do that. Then sort of the, 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 the player trading model at Southampton felt like something that we could relate to, I think, a little bit, get them in get these the high-class players in, develop them, sell them on for a profit, rinse and repeat. And again, that feels like something that, well, that is the model here. Get a player in, sell him on, reinvest the money. How do we, fall, how do we not fall off the cliff edge that Southampton have fallen off is the, is the question I have. And that was really brought home to me with the little run of um, games we had without uh, Decore, sans Decore, if you will. <laughs> and I thought, I thought we'd cope a lot better without Abdullah Decore than we actually did. Um, I thought we could sort of replace what he brought to the side with some, with some of the attributes that some of our other players have got. And, OK, it's not a complete disaster, but we really, 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 really missed him, I felt. And it's been borne out by the way he came, his performance since we came back. 
So the case study is, how do we replace a top six player? Because we've ended up with a top six player in our football club. How do you get another one? Now, obviously, the scouting network is great. It's brought in some, some fine players, and we talk about the depth of squad we've got. But it can't fail, because if it does there's a very real chance of us failing but Jason we saw Watford lose quite heavily to a top of the league team mm. um, are there many steps in terms of you know we, we talked about how good our you know, the depth of our squad, squad is this year but it, it sort of a little bit felt like actually there wasn't much more we could have done differently uh, apart from change a few players Do, you know there was no one to sort of to fill in Pereira for a little bit more defensive or another defensive midfielder to change things up as you would sort of want to do against a team like Man City as sort of what Bournemouth did yesterday where they put two rows five and a four and one man up front and they had no shots on target you know I don't want, I'd never want us to do that but I don't think we could we've got a team that could even do that No you, I think for, for, for one off games like that you you are probably relying on a, a touch of fortune as well so you, you need everyone to be playing well you need to yeah get the get the setup right I think Bournemouth like you say they tried to frustrate Man City and it, and it could have come off they only lost 1-0 and they could have won a penalty or something <laughs> you never know Bournemouth um, and, and I think for, for, for teams like us you have to take those games sort of one game at a time for the bigger picture I think you really need a perfect storm and obviously the obvious example of today's opponents in Leicester and when they sort of breached that top six and, and went on and won the league like they were fine in terms of, of uh, fitness and injuries they, they hardly uh, had any injuries they actually came off the back of a bad season where they just about sort of saved themselves from relegation so no one had really set the world alight at Leicester so they had a group of players that no one was coming in and, and sort of taking players away from them uh, and then they had Vardy playing well at the right time and they and they had a top six player in Kante who again sort of set the world alight um, and you had top six teams that weren't performing so they, they, you had a perfect storm and that enabled them to sort of breach that top six and go on and win the league and I think we uh, as Watford we need all that we would need other teams to maybe not perform as well for us to be able to sort of get in there and get within that top six but Colin you've talked about the uh, that goal away at Newcastle how it was the future mm. of Watford mm. um, and, and that is as Mike said the model is to bring these players through if we lost to Corey if we lost maybe even two and maybe Kapu went as well because something came up for him if something like that happened or maybe you get injured let's say mm. just Imagine a bit worse as the core going happen. Do you think, though, those young boys, are they ready? Or do you think, actually, because of the setup we've got and the way Harry is, they would develop quicker? Well, I think we've got two players at the club who can come into central midfield. One is uh, very experienced in Tom Cleverley, and we've also got, been a bit injured. Been a bit injured. We've also got Chalabar, who we're, been ho- a lot injured. Who we're hoping is going to have a good pre-season and maybe, and maybe kick on because he needs to and I'm sure he wants to and, I'm, and his only chance of doing that really is here so we've got two players there then we've got Quina and Penaranda and uh, what we've, we've seen tiny snapshots of them well, we've seen a bit more of Quina and, and they, they Quina looks ready for the Premier League I, I think when he played here against Cardiff when Capu was suspended I thought he looked really really good but yes I can see if they sell, I mean, they're going to sell the Corey. That's what's going to happen because that because as Scott said to John Watson on on the radio, we want to sell players. That's our business model. We 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 we, we want to help them get better and then sell them. And the Corey is obviously the next one in the barrel, if you like. Um, and they'll probably get 40, 45, 50 million for him, which will help balance the books, help keep the wage bill 
manageable because that's how you get good players you've got to pay them it's not about transfer fees it's all about wages yeah. and our wage bill is now 86 million quid a year which is vastly different from the wage bill we had in the championship it seems like a ridiculous amount of money yeah. but we're turning over about 130 million so so it, at the moment it's manageable as a percentage of, of revenue and but if you can keep wages high by selling players and balancing the books then you can attract players but there's two things that we can do I think we can attract experienced players who who could come in and help us straight away as we did with Kapu when we first came up uh, but also we've proved there's a pathway at Watford for young players and agents and families they, they see that they see Queen are playing in the Premier League they see Penaranda playing in the cup uh, they see uh, that we've got Cucho Hernandez and Jao Pedro sitting waiting waiting you know in the wings to, to come to Watford as soon as they can get permits or whatever it is or whether there's a gap for them and there's so there seems to be so much forward planning when you when you actually delve into it to see the young players that they are picking up uh, through their incredible scouting system but if Decore goes I can, you can see them spending a bit of that money and saying right we're going to spend 10 million quid on a player that we it's coming to the end of their career fancies another go at it because so we, we do need, need that experience we do we need some we need a bit another body we need some we need someone that we can you know we can rely on we can't rely, you never rely on the on the youngsters but you, what you do is you you bring them in so i expect queen to play more premier league minutes next season than he does this season okay the other way to look at this squad uh this this club so is, is off field and jason uh Colin was talking some numbers that we, we we've all seen as part of a um a thread on twitter by uh, the fantastic swiss ramble um, if you've never followed him or seen his blogs, just breaks down the finance of football uh, really well. And, and he did one on our finance, end of financial year a couple of months ago now um, for the last season, which was in a deficit uh, until you sell Richarlison. Uh, and then all of a sudden it's in, it's in a positive. But it, it's only just in a positive. Is there anything particularly from the, looking at those finances, which we'll link to uh, on, our, uh, on, on, the, on the blog, um, what, what do you take from that? I, yeah, I, it's a hard hard question when you look at that sort of that, that big picture again you sort of look at all those numbers there's some absolutely huge numbers on there and the fact that you then sort of we, we're talking about uh, we had Richardson money on there and we're making a sort of very tiny percentage profit on that one for me that suggests that it is a very well managed model because we are t- to be so close to sort of that that zero figure means we must be investing almost every last possible pound there and to work all that out when we're talking about 100 million over 100 million coming in from tv money over 80 million going out on players wages to get that right you've got to manage that really well and i think that overall that's the thing that sort of that sort of struck me how with the richardson money how sort of really tight and close that that was and, I, and that probably just says what we know about the potsos we know that they are investing as much as they can into our football club so it, i guess it, it, it all makes sense I think it's important as well just to realise though what it is. It, it strikes me that it's based on player trading, TV money, and loans. That's where all the money comes from. It felt, I might have misread it, but I think the, um, there's, there's, there's loans coming from the from the owners. Take that away, so get relegated. Gino decides he's got something else to do, and there's a there's a whole there's a whole world of problems. But as Jason says, we had we don't. They don't foresee that happening. That's not what Gino's going to do. Um, and we're certainly not going to get relegated this year. I think it's sensible to keep eyes on, on threads like that. And it is, it is worthwhile. The Swiss Ramble uh, Twitter feed does a really good job of breaking it down and trying to making it, try to make it... Um, uh, digestible. Digestible is the word, yeah. Um, so I think it's worth reading through it. And just because it does give you a, a neutral 
full view of actually what's going in and out of, of the club. If you're if you're that way inclined, you might want to just turn up at five to three and go home at, at six, which is entirely potentially what a football supporter should do. Um, but, but we're a bit more interested in thinking these figures because we do this podcast. So we we're more interested in an overall view of the club, <laughs> and I, and I think that. At the moment, it seems like they're getting it right, but of course, things can go wrong. And, and I, I go, go back to what you said about not being Southampton. What Southampton did was they used to have a fire sale. I mean, they, they would sell two or three players in the summer. They saw, you know, Wanyama, Lalana, and you know, and then they ended up selling Van Dijk, and that was the one that really tipped them because now they're really struggling. They struggled last season. They're struggling again against relegation. They could easily end up going down. Um, well, that's a little bit unlikely, but but so we don't want to do that. But that's not what the Potsers are going to do. They're not going to sell Decore, Capu, uh, Gray, and you know, sell three or, or sell Cathcart and for twenty million. And they're not going to do that. And I don't think they're going to put us in jeopardy because they know as much as we do when you read those figures that any four if we are relegated the business model is just you just tear it up and you have to start again and you have to get all the players out of the club as quick as you can because you've got to get that 80 million plus wage bill down to something like 20 million and you've got to do it really really fast otherwise you spiral as we've seen many many clubs do Charlton, Bolton all these they get into massive debt they can't they can't work they're in a spiral they can't get out of it and we don't want that to happen but under the Pozzo's management and, and Scott who I think is, a, is an excellent uh, chap we seem to be a very, very steady, seaworthy boat sailing across the Premier League seas. God, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> Up next, an away trip to the Etihad. It hasn't been the most amazing place to go for a long, long time. Mike, do you have any thinking where, hey, we could get something from that game, especially after seeing Watford lose 5-0 away at, at Liverpool. Any, any, any inkling? Well, look, Watford can get something from any game. I, I genuinely think that, and that's why I think I'll Even say, Manchester City? Even Manchester City. Okay. Crystal Palace, our dear friends, um, won there. Um, they are 11 human beings against 11 human beings playing sport. Anything can happen, and that's why I think I was so disappointed with the... Capitulation is a difficult, is probably not the right word for, for Wednesday night. I think those last two goals were irritating. Yeah. I think they were avoidable, and that 5 0 felt like a real smack round the chops because it cost us a place. Our goal difference is now zero, which kind of feels about right uh, for, for Watford. Can we go up there and get something? We can. Really, 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 really difficult. But coming on the heels of that, of that game at Anfield, it might, it might come at a good time freshen the memory what went wrong there they're going to face similar threats in terms of incredible attacking prowess perhaps are Manchester City as solid defensively don't know can we can we get at, can we get at Man City a bit more can we expect to get a bit more there so how do you do it is is a question for is a question for Javi and the and the and the guys I'm not expecting I'm not going to put the uh, my, my life savings on Watford going to get ahead and getting a win I would expect a decent performance and again I say again we've talked about these players they want to be in the shop window they want to move on these are the games they want to shine in they want to be rubbing shoulders with I was going to say Kevin De Bruyne unfortunately he's injured which, and I mean that genuinely I'm sorry to see him injured because I think he's a, a fabulous player but you know, Mariapa wants to be up against Aguero, and, and so on and so on. That's that's you want to be sharing a pitch with the best. So it's over to them. It really is over to them. It's a difficult ask. We're not going to get too upset if we if we don't come back with three points. Good performance, and let's show we've learned some lessons from Liverpool. Uh, Colin, you're an actor. Can you put yourself in the guise of Javi Gracia? Uh, are you going to do anything different? 
than you did against Liverpool. Are you going to go a bit more defensive? Or is the fact that Holobas is playing so the Messina going to change things that, enough? That'll help. And they don't have the threat from the full-backs that Liverpool have. They're, Liverpool's full-backs are absolutely unplayable at times. And they were, they were very, very good against us, particularly Alexander-Arnold. So they don't have that. But, and they're not as def- defensively as solid. But I think I, I, I was a bit disappointed by, the, by the, the idea that you would go to Anfield and play two up and four at the back and, and your two wide midfielders don't really go wide. So they didn't, couldn't really track the full-backs. They couldn't really stop them. Um, Manchester City is a different problem because they move the ball so well in central areas and very, very hard to read and to keep up with them. But I have a feeling after today that we might see Andre Gray play in, in that game. And maybe Deeney will play, but play in a much more withdrawn role. Whereas when he plays with Delafoe, he tends to be the furthest forward. Yeah. And then Delafoe is kind of buzzing around behind him. But when Gray plays, he can play right up on the shoulder and then Deeney can come in and act as a fifth midfielder, which I, which I think is what we have to do if we've got any chance, really, because they are really, really good. And they are going for the title. You know? And if, if Liverpool win at the weekend, they've got to win. And, it's, and Liverpool have got to win this afternoon because City won yesterday in a most awful, horrible game which shouldn't even have been on match today, frankly. <laughs> but, but, um, uh, but yeah, so, so I think we, you know, I think the key point is what Mike said is have we have we really learned lessons from the trip to Anfield can we can we make the necessary changes in order to be more durable and tougher to beat and tougher to break down and I hope we can I, I don't think City are quite as good as Liverpool at the moment I, I personally I think City are having a slightly uh, tricky time of it but um, yeah so hopefully you know even if we we've, we, we've lost 2-1 to them I think the last two games 2-1 at their place last season then 2-1 here so you know, if we lose two one, no one's going to going to cry, or they'll be bothered. If we get if we get thrashed, it's just grim. Yeah, yeah. Jason, uh, who, who's going to be the Watford star then? If uh, if, if this, some sort of point comes, with, who, who do you think to be the, the star for Watford? Uh, a man who's just walking past us now, <laughs> Mr. Ben Foster. No doubt about it. We are going to be tested big time, um, and even if we set up solid, and if we if our if our defence has a great day. Big Ben will still be required to make some saves and he will be absolutely have to be on his game as he has been all season so uh, he might be able to nick a point for us What a glorious man he is We're just watching him walk past and engage with the supporters here smile on his face taking the time to talk as have a lot of the Watford players walking down here it's been actually been, been quite heartwarming to see even Mr Hollobass stopping to exchange in a few has no idea what he's saying I think he was saying I'm going to eat your daughter <laughs> um, presumably but they and, and you know Ben, ben Foster they're just absolute smile talking about you know he, he had that coming together with Vardy and showing off his war scars that for me is, is Watford Football Club right there over the last 20 minutes these players walking past engaging with happy fans after another brilliant result what, I'm just so happy about this football club at the moment we've talked a lot we, you know I've been in and out up and down I, you know I've been I'm, I try to be quite critical and I, and I do that because I think we need to keep our feet on the ground but gee whiz what an amazing time to be a, a Watford fan as, as Colin said it feels like a running it feels like a cup run it feels well we are in a cup run it's great we've got a great group of players um, a great group of owners we've talked about the financials a great stadium which is coming together week by week getting better and better there's never been a better time than I can than I can remember really it really is good so we've talked about a lot of stuff but the bottom line is we're we're four Watford supporters who have just seen our team win in the last minute and I think today sums our season up really nicely. Super stuff. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, remember, keep in touch via social media, uh, at Wolf Podcast, Instagram, Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, and we'll be back for another podcast after a trip to the Etihad. Cool ones.